Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast, episode number nine. Today's guest is Renee Barras, and today we'll be discussing whether your child is addicted to your approval. We'll also look at the things that we all do to be unique, and also how pushing boundaries is how your team grows. So welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast. Today we are here with Renit, who is a life coach, a special education teacher, speaker, author and blogger. She's clearly been very busy. Uh, she's been writing and teaching emotional intelligence techniques all around the world since 1990. So that was a very brief intro there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and particularly how you came to be a life coach? Well, uh, I have to say that life coaching is just a beautiful name to something that has been here for a long time. <laughs> so um, my background is special education and I, um, I focused on emotional intelligence and I am actually teaching emotional intelligence. So the name life coach is just a borrowed name for something that has been here for a long time. So, yeah. This is how I became a life coach. I just chose a different name to, <laughs> to something that I did for a long time. So how did you get into yeah. this particular profession in the first place then? Well, um, I decided to study special education because I was a special education kid myself. So originally, the idea was to go and save all the kids. <laughs> from the heartaches of schooling <laughs> and uh, and the system. And um, I kind of discovered um, very, very effective ways of doing this. So I think that I describe my job as a person who's very good at packaging. What does it mean? I study, I study brains. I study how people absorb things, how they do things. And I just package what they want to be packaged in a good way that goes straight into the right place and just sits there. <laughs> and um, it's, it's very similar to um, teaching things academically. And it's very, very similar to teaching life skills and social skills. So um, same technique works for all of them. So this is how I started. And um, I've been doing this work for 33 years. Wow. So and, who do you uh, mainly work with then? Who's, who's your clientele? Most of my clientele is families. So I focus on families. Why? because I believe that it's not holistic enough if we just work with students. Yeah. Um, we must work, in my opinion, we must work with the agents, the most important agents of, of, of children socialising and, and all the skills that they need, and two of them are parents and teachers. So... I've adopted a very holistic approach from the beginning and it seems to work really, really well for me and for my clients. So I work with families. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, I mean, our, our listeners are mostly parents of teenagers. So uh, obviously it's a little bit challenging sometimes. Um, what, um, what sort of things 
do you find that you are working on the most with that sort of age group? What are the, the issues that they're trying to overcome? I, I, I worked a lot with teenagers for, for a long time. And uh, what I realised is that around 10 years, they face difficulties that, that they couldn't in the bliss of childhood. Um, and one of them is something that we all juggle with as grown-ups. It's just very scary to discover that when you're teenagers. And it's the, it's the dilemma between how much will I compromise who I am to be accepted and loved by other people. And I know a lot of parents complain and complain about uh, children. And they say, oh, my God, children, they're teenagers. They will do things to please uh, their friends. And I was like, no, they learned it from us. Think about fashion and think about cars that you buy and think about gadgets that you buy. No, they learned it from us. And, and I think at 10 years, it's really, really confronting to say, oh, okay, who am I? What will I give up for you to accept me and love me? And uh, it's actually a long life struggle. Yeah. And, um, and I discovered that if I help children adopt um, uh, this slogan, I actually wrote a book that, 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 that was the name of that uh, book. And it's, uh, it's called Be Special, Be Yourself. Lovely. And um, so how much do I um, need to give up and uh, how do I keep my uniqueness? Yes. And, and teenagers will do anything to get them both. It's like to be, to be unique, they will do many not nice things. Like... They'll do stupid things, you know. It's, but but the truth is that grown-ups are exactly the same. It's a true story. Well, kids will push boundaries oh. every every second. It's I guess the response to that boundary pushing that is probably the skill. I I I actually think that this pushing boundaries is their growth. No, this yeah. is how they grow. This is how they evolve. We're just the guinea pigs. Uh, yeah. And the thing is that, that it's good that we are the guinea pigs because it's a safe environment to practice it on your parents. And we need to, to be happy when they're pushing the boundaries because we know that they're practicing for something that they would need mm. out there for the rest of their life. And if you're not willing to be the person to practice i mean you love them anyway it doesn't matter what they do how stupid things they will do you still love them which is something very very important for them to understand they're practicing it um are they going to get it perfect no did we get it perfect no nah. um <laughs> we we just provide them opportunities and no we do not need to invent opportunities there are plenty of them out there, challenges and so on. There are plenty of them. We don't need to create new challenges for them. So if they adopt the you're special just the way you are, um, keep your uniqueness, you do not compromise on who you are, 
to please anyone else, the first people to understand that is their parents because we raise children and we give them a lot of messages of, mm, you need to please me. Yeah, very true. So, and I, I, um, I said I, I to parents, I, I don't say that to, to teenagers, but I do say that to parents, that we as parents naturally are very happy when the kids do exactly what we want them to do. Mm -hmm. So even when they're babies, we smile when they do what we want. And what we do, in fact, is that we raise drug addicts. They're addicted to approval. We are the drug dealers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we want those teenagers to be safe out there, we need to make sure that they're not addicted to this drug. And um, and remember that parents are always the first drug dealers. So <laughs> never so, really thought about it that way. No, that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do we help kind of make them less dependent then? What steps can we take you know, when they are trying out new things, when they are trying to be unique and do things slightly differently? And it's maybe not what we would love as parents. And so your instinct is like, no, don't, don't go out wearing that. People are going to think, A, you're a lunatic, and B, we're lunatics, and, <laughs> and so on. Because it, it is a, has, it, The has truth you... is that it's a challenge. It's mm. a challenge to say, what will people think because what you want to raise them is thinking that what other people think about them is none of their business. Absolutely. You, you, they, they need to develop a GPS. You, we cannot, we cannot develop an internal GPS if we tell them, Oh, um, the GPS is what other people think about you. And, and this is a, a problem with children that by the way, their parents do not get along. Why? Because what do you do if mom thinks, something and her gps is something totally different to dad's gps this is where the first time they recognize that mm, how do i follow what other people tell me to do if everyone thinks something different so this goes back into let them go out let them go with that shirt let them make the mistake let them suffer the consequences i always give the same idea when my daughter was four and a half years old we lived in texas in the u.s and uh texas u.s it was about 40 degrees outside 40 uh, degrees and she wanted to wear boots and a sweater to school now the first time she came and says no i want to take this to school i look and look so i was like you're gonna choke like it's so hot outside and then i looked at it and i said to myself wow that's a fantastic experience like yeah go for it i was like now was it easy no no it was not easy but it was fantastic because she went to school it was so hard <laughs> she came back she never asked to do this thing again like okay go for it the yeah, thing is like but wouldn't say she would never admit that she'd be like 
in her own mind, made the decision all on her own that that was a bad idea. Exactly. Now, if it was her doing it because I said so, mm, it wouldn't be her conclusion. Yeah. It yeah. would be obedience. Follow what mom says. It's an instruction. It's not a learning opportunity. So, look, um, children will do some things that are very risky. And I think this is where it's, this is where the problem is. It's when you're looking at them going towards an accident and you just say, oh my God, look, I can see the accidents, you know. Yeah. Um, those are the more challenging. Still, it is better to develop this relationship where you see yourself as a facilitator rather than the person who tells them what is right and what is wrong. Um, it's almost like I always say that children, our children do not belong to us. They are, we are their guardians. We, we're supposed to escort them. Yeah. It's almost like we're supposed to escort them as safe as, but we cannot walk the walk for them. Yeah. Can I, they uh, have to do the walk. Go on. Talking of that walk, uh, if I take the, the Texas coat incident and I think about my own, uh, our own daughter who's 11 now, when she gets to 16 and she wants to go uh, out with her mates and she's wearing little more than a belt, um, what do I do there? Do I let her go and make, because obviously I, I, we may have a difference of opinion here, I don't know. Um, do I let her go and make the mistake or or because that's what she want to wear and she'll wear it all day long every day she'll unless somebody says something which is how spend I the see whole it. day pulling it down uncomfortably what advice would you you know offer if that was your daughter uh, look i think i think there is a place for what parents think um one of it is is using modeling you know i mean Mom is not walking like this, and which is a good—it's a good way. And it—and it seems like, oh no, she doesn't get it. Uh, yes, she does. She can see that mom is not wearing this. Um, I think in in times of peace, it's really really important to make to to discuss this thing. So basically, um, I use uh, evening dinners. Uh, those are fantastic sessions. Uh, like I call them, it's the best coaching sessions are dinner time. Because we discuss things. Now, if we avoid preaching, if we avoid judgment, if we avoid saying our opinion, um, and we just offer um, questions to think about stuff, then um, you might be able to ask her things like, you know, what did you think about her, that girl over there? And um, and when the right t time comes, she will remember that she said, oh, that was slutty, whatever she said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem that we have as parents, and I, and I had that as well. I had that, um, um, I, I had that as well with my, with my own children. It's like I said things and then I said, you shouldn't have said that <laughs> because... Because now, 
it's not going to be something that comes from within. Yeah. It's always because mom said so. Nah, that was a, it's a missed opportunity. Well, yeah, and, and remembering back to my teenage days, if mum told me something, I would probably go out of my way to do the opposite in a lot of cases. <laughs> she told me that I should read the Harry Potter books because I'd really enjoy them. So I deliberately did not read the Harry Potter books for about three years. <laughs> I was an adult at that point. So <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's just, it's tricky to rein it in because your instinct is your parental instinct to protect is what drives usually the no don't do that don't go out like that those those judgments and it's it's a tricky yeah. thing to control it's i know i know it, it is true it is true it is true we do feel like we need to protect them but the truth is that we're that some of the things that we do we're actually not protecting them we're protecting ourselves from from what we think the consequences would be which sometimes they're not. I was like, really, when I look at my children, I sometimes say, oh, this will be the outcome of this thing. And I'm wrong because they do grow up in a different era. Yeah. I was like, I, I never had to go through what they're going through. And I think that they're, what they're going through is, it's, is much tougher, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm still reeling from the fact that Emily's described herself as an adult, but, you know. <laughs> yes. I'm not, not sure about We just have more time on the, <laughs> just more time in here yeah. and, uh, and more experience, but not, not necessarily relevant experience. Yeah. Uh, can I just ask a question about, because uh, we're, we're kind of dealing with, I guess, teenagers who are 15, 16 year olds. Um, in terms of confidence, as they come towards important exams, um, how would you say to parents, that, what's the best way of getting confidence into your child at this stage of the academic year? Well, the first thing that I would tell parents is to really, really understand that um, th this is something that I believe we should tell children from a very early age. Exams are not for children. They are for the teachers and for the system to examine its effectiveness. Exams are not for children. And children need to understand that when they go through an exam, no one examines them. They examine the person who taught them this, if they did a good job or not. Now, it is okay. It is, look, I think it is okay to use exams as, as a self-reflection of how much I've managed to, to um, learn a subject. Now, um, expecting everyone to get an A, it is so cruel. It is so cruel. Do you, I want you to know that in every age, the gap between the youngest child in every age, every grade level, is about... 12 months almost yeah it's 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 that because there is a cutoff date and a day after a day before so it's it's what 11 months and 20 something days but that would be the gap sometimes you don't expect a person um, um, 
that in that we, we had to choose, we had to choose a cutoff day, you know? So we just did it without considering the person's ability, the child's ability and, and thinking that every child has a clock that says, Ping, I'm 12. Now this is what I need to know. Ping, now I'm 12 and six months. This is, it's, it's really ridiculous. It is. And it's such at that age, it's such a large chunk of your life. It's a decent percentage of your life in terms of the difference. There are people sitting exams who are you know, 364 days older than someone else sitting the exam potentially. And that's just, it, it's a lot. Yeah. And, and maturity, maturity level is, is very important. You know, that the, they did some t- exams about, I think uh, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, um, in one of his books, he talks about them discovering that all one of the, I don't know, maybe it was a football or one of those sports that they discovered that all those who were chosen were the, the older yeah. kids in the grade yeah. because the gap was significant in their ability, in their sports abilities because they were older and, and, and more mature and bigger physically and and so on. So first we need to understand that th- those expectations are totally different. And I give children the example of we're all born in different heights. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm sitting now, but I am short. Now, my leg, if I need to run from here to the other side, um, it, it'll, I, I need more effort than my husband who is 30 centimetres taller than me it's exactly the same with academic achievements exactly the same expecting everyone to be at the right the exact same place it's actually cruel if you ask me so this is the first thing that i think parents needs to understand um they always blame the kids oh you didn't work very hard no sometimes uh we call it the difference between there is a learning difficulty and there is a teaching difficulty. Yeah. Sometimes a child has a difficulty absorbing information. Sometimes it was because the teacher had difficulties giving the information. Yeah. And, uh, and this is something that needs to be taken into consideration. The second thing is that in the long run, if I ask you to go to grades, seven or grade 10 and remember one of your exams that you got a C. How did that impact your life? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, by the way, I remember myself when I did my degree, I was this fanatic about sitting and learning and I was like, really, I mean, this was after I was not a very good student at school. So it was like, that was my opportunity, you know, do the best. And I remember that we had, we were all 20, 21, 23 year old. And one of the um, um, students that was with us, she was 30 something. And I remember that we used to sit down and do the tests and so on and, and say to her, what do you mean you're not coming to the exam? What, what do you mean you're not studying? I was like, what do you mean? Like, she had kids. So, so she'd say, oh, sorry, my son has something at daycare. And we kind of looked at her and said, what are you talking about? Like, you know, it's an exam. And 
the second I had my children, I realized that, oh my God, like I understood exactly what she was talking about. So a bit of proportion would not, um, um, you know, it, it, it would be really, really helpful to, to have a bit of a proportion about exams. And, uh, and I think what we need to tell children is that we trust you, whatever you do, we trust you, you'll be fine, whatever if you, and I, I have I actually have a story that, um, that I, I, I share, which is a, a really true thing that happened to me. Um, I, um, I lived with my, my husband and my children, we lived around the world and in one of the legs on this uh, thing, we lived in Thailand. And uh, one day we were in Kosamo and we went to the beach and, um, and a guy came um, towards me and he told me about his, um, he told me about his son. And he said, look, my son, um, I had an only child and he, um, he went to travel and uh, there were two, two kids who traveled. And um, I'm talking about something that happened 24 years ago, so no, no mobile phones, <laughs> no anything like this. And uh, sometime along the way, the two kids split. One of them went to India. His son went to God knows where. And uh, the guy in India um, used mushrooms so much that he was uh, totally erased. He was convinced that he's a dolphin. And someone uh, contacted the family and said, hey, you need to come pick him up very, very fast. So the family sent someone to pick him up. And then when he's in a hospital, um, by the way, the whole flight, they had to water him because he was convinced he's a dolphin. And, um, and they said, hey, what happened to the other guy? And they decided to call his family. So the guy lives, the, lives everything. He has an only child. He lives his job. He had a, a travel agency. And he goes to look for his uh, son in Thailand. Now, do you know what that means, looking for a kid in Thailand back then? No photo. Like, you can have a photo. Anyway, he was looking for him for three months. And then someone said to him, how about you just go to a full moon party in Kopangan and, you know, sometimes those kids, this is where they go. Now the father goes to Kopangan and he finds his son and try to convince him to come back. And you know, from, to Kopangan, you have to go through Kosamoy. So he convinced him to come back and he said to me, look, you have kids. How about you talk to him? And I said, like, what, what do you want me to talk to him? Anyway, while we're sitting on the beach, the guy comes in, he looks skinny. He has no possessions, only a tiny bag with the book inside. That was a very good book because we had a chat about the book that we both read. And, and a sarong. Now, he doesn't have a toothbrush, wallet, money, and nothing. I was like, you know, the mom in me says, oh, my God, where's the toothbrush? <laughs> so he comes and sits next to me. And then he said to me something that blew my head. Because he said to me, I mean, he did talk in slow motion. <laughs> but everything he said made sense because he said to me, if I only knew 
that he will come and look for me. If I only knew all my life that he would come and search for me on the other side of the world, all my life would have been different. And I looked at him and I said, of course he would. But I realized that we as parents say, of course I'd come and look for you. But they don't know it. Because everything we tell them is like, if you do what I expect you to do, if you be successful, if you be doing this and that, I'm here. But that what they want to hear is that, I will love you. You're awesome. You're great. Even if you get a failure in your exam, even if you do horrible things, I will still love you. So I think this is what every child wants to hear. And this builds a lot of confidence because that's what I think that's what he was looking for. He said that this is what he was missing, the confidence that his dad will be there for him even if he failed. So I think that's what parents need to make sure that their children know that they will be there even if they will fail. That's a good yeah. message. Very important message, I think. Absolutely. It's, um, it's something that we should tell yeah. them more often, even if they do go, oh, mom, stop being all soppy. You're embarrassing me. Which is the response we normally get from our kids uh, when we try and tell them these kind of things. But, um, but yeah so important just to make sure that they know that stuff so if you haven't told your kids today that they're awesome and you believe in them go do it right now press pause <laughs> go and do it right now we'll wait thank you very much <laughs> and and the, i actually i i actually believe that um if it's hard to say it sometimes you can find opportunities when you come and share stories about other people. Yeah. And, and then you could say, you know, if it'll happen to you, I want you to know that you can come and talk to me. I want you to know that I would react differently. I want you to know that I will be there even if you will fail. Um, which is, I'm, I'm, um, I'm since then on a search for opportunities to tell my children, um, I will be there, even if you do things against what I advise you to do. I mean, as a as a teenager, uh, me and my best friend, she might tell me off for telling this story, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, if we'd, well, let's generalise it instead and then I don't get in trouble. If we'd had any kind of dramas, if there'd been, I don't know, if, if a friend of ours had come and said, look, oh, I think I'm pregnant or... We had, you know, a friend that we were out with who got too drunk and we didn't know what to do with them and stuff. I would have immediately called her mum and said, my best friend's mum, come and help us out. And I know she would have done in a heartbeat. My best friend would have called my mum. And it's not that I don't think that my mum would have come and immediately helped. I'd have just been worried about, I don't know, whether there'd be any judgment or anything along those lines, which I know as an adult is, is nonsense and she wouldn't have done. But um, it's funny that we both would have trusted each other's mums with you know, the worst possible situation. We'd have gone straight to them for advice rather than go to that's our own. That's actually mom. fantastic. 
that was that's fantastic but it was it was nice to know that there was someone that we could talk to in that situation but i think it's it's a message i've been trying to get across to our kids in using that story actually it, it absolutely works to say you can come and talk to me i will you know i'll swallow the urge to uh, jump in on you did what <laughs> you took what <laughs> and i'll and i'll help deal with the situation first and then i'll just go and i have um went afterwards yeah. somewhere else <laughs> i have a solution when the kids do something that really upsets me mm -hmm. it's like uh inside i i just say no 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 it's like okay i'm obsessed that's inside but then outside i would say some things like i appreciate you telling me the truth mm. inside i'm like i'm gonna blow up any second <laughs> and why because because it was an opportunity yeah and if I if I'll say something n nasty like yeah. what I want to say, it's a missed opportunity. Next time. next time, yeah, next time she won't come again. Yeah. She won't come again. She 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 will say, "Oh, that was painful to tell her the truth." Yeah, absolutely. Oh, parenting is tough. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come in the manual, and um, if there was a manual, it'll be very very huge and challenging to read yep manual definitely um oh dear um so in your book motivating kids what are your top three out of 303 which is awesome yeah. out of your 303 practical tips can you pick a top three that would help change your parenting as, as a listener for us yeah. maybe what could we do that would change how we can be a better role model for our child, for example? Yeah, well, um, um, several things. One, um, the most important bit, in my opinion, is for parents to distinguish between, being, between motivating children and pushing them. Mm. And the difference is, if you're encouraging kids to do something that you want, you're a pushy parent. If you're encouraging them to do something they want, you are motivating them. Yeah. That's really Again. clear, really. It's almost quite obvious, but unless you hear it, it it makes it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, if it's something that they want, you are actually supporting them, you are a motivator, you're motivating them. If you are encouraging them to do something that you want you're a pushy parent yeah. and gotta go for exams particularly it's one of the reasons we've been encouraging our, our members and our listeners to get their kids to think about the future and the bigger picture and try and set their own goals in terms of you know, what they want out of exams and how it will help them get to whatever they want next rather than it being you know, the be all and end all because if they know what they're aiming for, you're motivating them. If it's just you need good exam grades, it's pushing them and it's, it causes more friction and stress yeah. and is helpful. If, if, you were, if you were next to me, if you were next to me, I would push, put my hands against yours 
mm -hmm. and and push you. What do you think you'd do if I pushed your hand? I think I'd probably push back. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. So just remember, if you are pushing um, children, they will push back. If you're pushing grown-ups, they will push back. It's, remember, it's like it's like when they learn to walk. You never stood behind them and just pushed them. No, you stood at the front and said, come on, come on, take one step and I'm holding you. So that's the difference between motivating the child and pushing the child. Yes. And in that scenario, the pushing the child never works because it always ends up... Yeah, face planting. Face planting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so this is this is the most important bit. Uh, the the other things about the motivating kids is is remembering that um, remembering that that approval is seems like a fantastic tool to do parenting, but no, that backfires big time. So um, your approval is not necessary, and uh, and for this. You need to be brave enough to let go of, of this approval. You know, just, just be confident with what you think uh, and your children will get that. And um, encourage children to develop an internal GPS, internal motivation tools. So instead of saying things like, uh, wow, I'm proud of you, which is, there is a place for I'm proud of you, the more important one is that, wow, you must be very proud of yourself. Good on you. you um, and, and teach children to give themselves compliments. Mm. Do you know how many children, teenagers as well, m more than children, uh, think that being proud of yourself for things is boasting? Yeah. I was like, why, why is that? Like. You did something good and you said, good on me. I did well in this thing. Um, I believe that if we give them opportunities to do that, if they hear us doing this thing, um, they will learn to give themselves compliments. Why? Because, because they need to be with them. The person who's going to be with them all their lives is, is them. Yes. So, so they need to have an internal, instead of an internal critic, they need to have an internal fan. <laughs> you know, someone who's a fan of what they do and someone that can say, whoa, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I did that. That was great. And it doesn't mean that they're um, boasting. It, it, it only means that they appreciate something that they've done which is uh, something totally different so teach children to give themselves a compliment so in, if, if they come and do something wonderful as i that's what i do with with um report cards instead of saying oh that's a wonderful report card the first question is how do you feel about that thing what do you think about your report card because the truth is that your judgment about the report card doesn't matter what matters is what they think. Because for someone, this was a great success and great on you. And for someone, 
and which you can always for someone it was a, a failure you can always ask kids so how do you feel about it what would you like to do next time and and your opinion is actually not necessary for this whole um process so teach children to learn to have reflective practices yeah. and every time we give our opinion we prevent them from doing it yeah. uh, that kind of really struck me the other day we do some mentoring online for some of our teens and uh, and one of the, the the lads i was speaking to i was asking him how do you think your revision's going and he did exactly what you just said. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going, it's really good. I'm, I'm really confident. I'm, I know I'm doing the right thing. Um, I've got this. And, and it was a really kind of... Noticeable difference, noticeable difference to every other teenager we've spoken to, yeah. yeah. I think we're really good at... If it was your best mate who'd just done the thing, whatever it was, you'd be amazing at saying, you're awesome, well done, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Because we're used to giving that kind of praise to others. Whereas we tend to downplay everything we do. Um, you know, it's, it's the inner critic, but I mean, a large part of it for us is, is being very British. You know, we don't, we don't talk about these kind of things. Uh, but honestly, it's, it's something that I've talked about on our Facebook lives because we do all have this little inner critic. Um, a lot of the time we let it run the show and we really, really shouldn't. So uh, yeah, it's- That's true, that's to true. To your teenager about. I mean, if uh, one of this, uh, this lad, if one of his mates was listening to him saying that, oh, you're just boasting, you're just gloating. But no, he just, he was just genuinely really yeah. proud of what he'd done and where he was going with this and yeah. totally in control. Rightly um, so. Yeah. He's, uh, he's doing all the right things. He's hitting his targets. He is happy with where he's at, which means he's on track for where he wants to be. And that's perfect. Mm. And uh, it's nice that he can recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always say that that it's the written the reason it's called personal development is because it is personal. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, applying your standards on someone else is, um, I think it's it's not not helping in developing this personal um, development. So. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that if someone says, yes, I'm on track and I'm doing the right thing, it doesn't mean that this person cannot evolve. It doesn't mean that he cannot aim higher, but he needs to to determine. Mm. Uh, it needs to be internal mm. and not external. And children, we could teach children from a very early age to be reflective. And reflective, it doesn't mean um, critical about what they're doing. Reflective means examining um, uh, the things that I've done, learning from them, um, becoming a better version of themselves by applying new learnings. And um, so I think, I think children can do it. And I found that teenagers uh, are really, they're like a sponge. It's almost like if you offer them frameworks, um, they love it. They really, really love it. Um, and they apply it. So I, I was lucky. I met amazing teenagers that proved that the the greatest challenge teenagers have is a bad reputation. Yeah. Yeah. 
so on. Um, yeah. So uh, is that two points? Can we just push you on one more or? You can push me on as many as you like. Oh, but she'll oh. push back, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so third, third sort of top tip out of the 303. One, distinguish between pushing and motivating. Yeah. The second one, um, let go of the desire for um, approval. Yeah. Um, your, your children do not need to depend on your approval. That's a drug. Remember that. Yeah. That makes you a drug dealer. Yeah. Not a flattering um, no, title. Yeah. <laughs> Not a flattering title. And um, help children develop an internal GPS and teach them to praise themselves, to compliment themselves, to be reflective um, on everything that they do. Perfect. Yeah. So um, uh, final thing then, I guess. Uh, so if people wanted to find out more about you uh, or read any of your books, where would they go to do that? Okay, they can find me in two places. One, they can go to my life coaching site, which is www.behappyinlife.com. And um, I... I do coaching with people from all around the world uh, through Skype. The only people that I do not work on Skype are young children. So the young people, um, teenagers I do on Skype, um, children I don't. I actually need them physically next to me uh, because uh, the work that, that I do with them requires um, some physical touch. It requires them to be next to me to do that. So other than them, I, I do see uh, people through Skype from all around the world. And if they want um, to find, and they can find the books over there. And if they want to read about parenting, if they want to read about um children and education and personal development and also about coaching uh they can go to my blog uh which is ranitbaras.com which is my name it's just my name it's r-o-n-i-t-b-a-r-a-s.com and um there are plenty of articles there um i think there are about 1600 now Wow. And um, all of them are original um, material. I love writing. Um, uh, content is not my uh, thing. If I if I, I told my husband that if I just sit down and write down all the things that I want to write down, I'm probably going to have ten years of writing every day, and um, it doesn't stop because uh, because there's a lot to write about that topic I just don't have time now to do all, uh, as much as I did before but they can find a lot of um, topics and all all the material there is free for everyone to read and use and they can find the books uh, there as well fabulous thank you very yeah. very much we'll make sure we pop all of that on the show notes thank you ever so much for your time thank you for having me
Thank you very much for being up with us. If you'd like to know more about how you can support your child through their GCSEs, then head over to parentguide to GCSE.com. See you next time.